official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here's your host, Glenn Naughton. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. My co-host, Alex Rallo, is not with us just yet. I heard from Alex just a few minutes ago. He said he was he would be arriving shortly. So we await Alex's arrival. And in the meantime, um, well, I guess, what, two, three hours ago, I was under the impression there would be very little to talk about, as this is, as we know, the the slowest part of the year. OTAs have wrapped up. No action until training camp. And uh, and then the Jets went on a hiring spree. Of course, these hires could have been made previously, but just now making it out to the masses. So for those of you who hadn't heard, Jets general manager Joe Douglas, and it was reported, for those of you who recall, or for those of you who don't, that one of the... I don't know if we call it hang-ups, delays. One, one, of, one of the stipulations that Joe Douglas had for the Jets, he basically said, if you're going to hire me, you got to promise me that we're going to have the money available to build the front office that I want to build. The Jets gave him those assurances. And today we're seeing and, – and, you know, I, I just posted something on JetNation.com saying this. Um, owner Chris Johnson, when – he introduced Joe Douglas to the media. He made, you know, he went through the list of reasons why, why Joe Douglas was brought in, what he would bring to the building, what the expectations were. And one of the most important things he said, because this has been an issue with, it was an issue with Mike McCagman. It was an issue with John Edzik. To a degree, it was an issue with Mike Tannenbaum. He basically said, bringing in a guy like Joe Douglas, who is as respected as Joe Douglas is, who has held the positions that Joe Douglas has held with the teams he has held them, that he would have the influence to attract well-thought-of executives who weren't just going to take any job, guys who were already employed in the league, who you were going to have to convince them to leave teams, or guys where there might be a bit of a bidding war. So now that's all. It's, it's all coming to fruition, and you you gotta you got to give Chris Johnson credit because he's the one signing the checks to bring these guys in. I have no doubt that they're not coming in for cheap because these are guys who, you know, again, are experienced executives as a matter of fact. So so first we heard that Phil Savage was brought in. Oh, hang on. I believe we have Alex on the line. Alex, are you there? Hey, Glenn. How you doing, bud? Good evening, Jet Nation. Um, I'm doing really well. I've, um, I explained that you would be with us in a couple minutes, so – I, I don't know how much you caught on your, your ride home uh, in regards to the hirings. I'm, I'm just about to do a, a quick recap. So if you're hearing it for the first time, um, you'll be hearing it for the first time. And if not, well, either way, we'll want you to comment afterwards. So each guy, each role, where they're coming from, little background. So Phil Savage, former general manager for the Cleveland Browns, as well as 
an executive under Ozzie Newsom in Baltimore. The la- he spent the past few years as the director for the Reese's Senior Bowl. So all these players are get, you know getting scouted and the teams want to look at. Phil Savage was the guy who scouted the players and, and coordinated who would be invited to participate. So he's not been an executive, but he has been far from out of the game. Phil Savage has actually been doing something that affects all 32 teams by, by organizing the Senior Bowl. So he comes in, and it's being reported now. Uh, give credit here where it's due. You know, pet peeve of mine, Alex, I hate when bloggers, whether they go on their podcast or their Twitter or their websites, and they, and they report all this news, and they don't say where the hell they got it from. They don't take the time to say, look, uh, you know, I, I don't uh, – I don't have any inside information, but here's what's being reported by so-and-so. You don't see enough of that. I may forget from time to time, but anyway, I, I digress. So uh, Matt Stipulkowski, what's that? I said you got to cite your work. Yeah, exactly. Give credit to the people who do, did the work to, to get this information for you to share with your audience. So Matt Stipulkowski of, the, uh, of NJ.com is saying that Phil Savage's role with the team – is in fact going to be the assistant GM. So he is going to be the number two man behind Joe Douglas. So he comes in again. He has some background as a GM with Cleveland. He's worked with Baltimore. He's done some work in college. He worked with uh, Alabama and I want to say UCLA off the top of my head. I forget. Spent some time with the Eagles as well as a a player personnel consultant working for Howie Roseman. Uh, to get ready for the 2010 draft, that's uh, that's that's a little Wikipedia blurb there. So you bring in Phil Savage as your number two. Then they announce the hiring. Or again, this is all none of this is confirmed by the Jets, but this is all Rappaport, Schefter, the insiders who generally get this stuff right. So then it, it leaked out, or it was it came out that Ravens pro personnel director Chad Alexander was going to be joining the Jets front office. Now, this is a guy who, while plenty of people will pretend to know a ton about him, I sent out a tweet joking about it. Everyone, Everyone's so elated over every hiring, even when it's a guy they know nothing about. But I, I get it. We're, we want to be optimistic, right? So they bring in Chad Alexander. We don't know exactly what he's done, but here's what we do know, which is very positive. 20 years in the league, all 20 in Baltimore with Ozzie Newsome, spent the last eight seasons as their pro personnel director. So you hold the position that high in that organization under Ozzie Newsom, that's nothing but good stuff. So I, I'm, I will not sit here and pretend I know a damn thing about who Chad Alexander has had input on, but I will say just knowing that he, where he's working, who he's worked for, you, you can't dislike that hire. You can't dislike bringing somebody in. And, of course, there will be plenty of familiarity there given the fact that Joe Douglas worked there so long as well under Ozzie Newsom, And then the third name that popped up, and this was another good one. Uh, some Jets fans would be familiar with this one. Rex Hogan, who was the Jets a few years He was first guy hired, but he left to join uh, Chris Ballard in Baltimore. But another highly thought of guy who, uh, from what I just saw, let me see, I think it was uh, Rappaport. So, no, I, I it was... Um, I'll think of his name in a second. Uh, basically said that uh, his contract, Rex Hogan's contract, was not up in in Baltimore. They still had control. He was still employed by them, but 
just because they knew that his role with the Jets would be a promotion, Chris Ballard decided to do the right thing by Hogan and release him from his contract, allow him to go to the Jets. So, And that was Albert Breer, by the way, who tweeted that out. So Breer says Hogan is a, uh, a guy who came on board despite being under contract. Indy let him go. So classy move by Indy. The Jets add three guys who, I mean, let's face it. Um, now, Phil Savage, the, the one, I would say the one negative uh, is that if you look at his, his draft record in Cleveland, wasn't fantastic. But, you know, again, these guys, he's, it's not as if he's going to be make, it's not as if he's going to be making the picks for the Jets. It's not as if he's been out of the league. And he has been working extensively with college, you know, within the college game and with college prospects as the director of the Senior Bowl. So plenty of positives to take away from that in my mind. And of course, again, we're still in the honeymoon phase. Everything's great. Everything's fantastic. Every move is going to be, you know, the, the greatest move ever. Only the best guys are going to be hired and only the best players are going to be called because we haven't played a game yet. And, uh, well, we, I hate when people say we, when they talk about the team and I just did it, that's an idiot move. Like, like me and Alex are going to be suiting up. We did, we won, we lost, we suck. Listen, um, but I, I get it. Common vernacular. I, I don't know why that's always been a big thing with me. Um, the, the number of people with the, we, this and the, we, that with things that they're not a part of. Um, but we, the fans, uh, haven't had the chance to, you know, this team hasn't played a game yet. So we have no idea how it's going to work out, but on paper, I mean, I like the fact that Chris Johnson is opening up the, the, the checkbook, bringing in respected guys, brought in a respected GM, and when he said, he said after the pick of Sam Darnold that he believed that pick was going to change the course of this franchise. And he's doing all he can to make sure that happens by bringing in an offensive-minded head coach, uh, you know, and, and the, the front office staff that we just discussed. So, Alex, what, do you, what are your thoughts? What do you have to add, if anything? Yeah, you know, a lot of the points that you had uh, mentioned is pretty comical to me the elation uh, with these, these signings, you would think that we would have made a, a trade for a lockdown corner or, you know, we acquired an all pro center or something like that, but we got some front office guys and I'm seeing, <laughs> you know, jets are going to be the new Patriots. We're super bowl bound. We're we've won this. We've won the off season. I can't tell how many times I've heard we've won the off season and we end up being in the top 10 in the draft the following season. So I'm happy that the Jets have come out of this situation from a few weeks ago looking very dysfunctional to now looking very balanced and, and all the pieces seem to be falling in place. Uh, they, they are working with uh, people now that are well thought of in the league and are held in high regard. And these guys are coming from pedigrees of, you know, winning organizations. So, it, it, it's all positive. It's all good. Um, in my mind, we haven't done anything yet. Our record is still zero and zero. So in, until September rolls around, you know, that's when I'll be making uh, more evaluations or, you know, uh, judging this team in, in a completely different manner because we're not going to be able to tell what these front office guys are capable of or where, um, how, good they are at evaluating talent acquiring acquiring players until next off season and next draft. So it's going to be a long time before we 
see what these guys can do, you know, with fifty, seventy-five million dollars or whatever you know our cap's going to be. So uh, there's a lot to be determined. It's good to be positive right now, but I don't think we've won anything yet, and it's just kind of interesting to see the positivity that's rolling around on um, a player personnel guy that gets signed, and, and now we're we're going for the Lombardi. So. It's comical. Um, it, it's good, but I'm glad that the Johnsons have figured out a way to come through the the, the muddy waters, and and now it looks like we're headed in the right direction. So I, I'm definitely thankful uh, that they seem to get the guys that they wanted, and you know they've made the right signings thus far. Yeah, and that, listen, that it's it's a big thing because, and and I said it too. I, the last thing I'm going to do is backtrack or do the revisionist history thing or back off a comment I made. I I did say that, you know, when they fired Mike McCagna, I thought that was the most dysfunctional move I've seen from a team. And I, you know, I had a reason for that. It would, you know, and but I also said if they get Joe Douglas, you can't be upset cuz you got better. Um, you know, that's all it's all it's only just over a month ago, but it's ancient history. You know, and as I said, I just posted the article and I I started by saying, look, the GM, the owner took some heat. He sat back. He let he let the GM spend 120 million. He let him run a draft with the third pick, and he let him assemble a roster for an unproven head coach. As much as we hope Adam Gase will be great, he's still unproven at this point, and it's his first year with the team, and you just don't see that in the NFL. So he took some heat, and rightfully so. But at the same time, at least I know me. I you know I can't speak for everyone, but I did say if they get the right guy, it's an upgrade, and you can't be upset about that. They get the upgrade. Chris Johnson did what had to be done. He took some heat. Now, anyone, you know, if you were jumping all over him for making that move, and, you know, a lot of it is about perspective. Because, again, I'm not going to say I didn't jump all over him right away. But then I kind of, you know, took a deep breath and said, well, wait a second here. I like this team that Mike McCagnin's built. I think this team can be a contender this or definitely by next year. Um, So I liked what was going on. So when you fired him, I was, you know, shocked more than anything. Um, but then, again, you take a step back and you go, well, wait a minute. He's done some good things, but he's far from perfect. And uh, and there are some respected guys out there who could be had. So in the end, we believe, we could be wrong, but we believe it's worked out well for the Jets. And Chris Johnson's the guy who's made it all happen. So kudos to Chris Johnson. You got to give credit where it's due. I see people kill ownership all the time. Um all the time, Woody Johnson, Chris Johnson, and oh, yeah. you know it's a silly thing to me, Alex. Because does, is there really anyone who believes that these owners know football? Like this is this is a, a for a lot of them this is a toy. Like they have billions and billions of dollars. They you know they have friends who have billions and billions of dollars, and they all want to kind of have stuff that their friends don't have. And there's only 32 NFL teams, so if you have one of those, chances are most of your billionaire friends aren't going to have one too. Um, so they don't, they don't know. You know. And I've said this before. You're going to tell me Robert Kraft is some football genius because the Patriots won all these rings? Bill Belichick wasn't even his first choice. Bill Belichick was a, a fluke hire by the Patriots. I can't even remember who the top choice was. But somebody got snowed in on his way to New England for the, the interview. So he didn't get the interview, and they called Bill Belichick, and they hired him because they liked his interview. And you're going to tell me Bob Kraft just knows football? No, he's the owner. He's got a bunch of money. He bought a football team and hired the right guy by accident. So when people say, oh, the Jets need to change owners, 
Who's Mike Holm going to buy? Going to buy your football team? No, billionaires buy football teams, and they generally don't know football. So you know, to pin everything. Now, this isn't to say the Johnsons haven't made some some mistakes along the way. I mean, they've made some huge flubs. They've made some really questionable moves. That's that's beyond you know. That, that, I'm not saying they've been perfect. Far from it. But if you're going to criticize them all this time, Alex, I mean, isn't it fair to say you got to you got to sit back now and, and give them a little bit of credit? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, you know, hearing um, the rumors about how Joe Douglas had turned down the Jets more than once with their offers and he did not take no for an answer, it, all the conversations that were had over the last few weeks about the indecisiveness, the inconsistencies, the, um, you know, the Jets almost got this guy, the Jets almost, you know, got acquired this player, they almost traded – there, that doesn't win football games, and and you have to be aggressive in this league. And I think that's something that you can clearly say that since they've made this change, there's a little bit of a, a, a tougher mentality or philosophy that's going into the processes now of acquiring front office guys, or even you know maybe we'll see this down the road acquiring players as well. So it seems like they're just starting to figure out how this league works as, as crazy as that may seem, you know, and like you said, these guys were billionaires that, uh, you know, didn't probably didn't grow up, you know, in a tough inner city where football was their escape. Uh, I'm sure they had a lot different walk of life. So uh, I like the fact that we're kind of, you know, taking it by, uh, you know, with both hands and we're, we're grasping into this now. So I, I like the approach and the, the change of direction uh, thus far. And, you know, they still have a lot of work to do, um, you know, clearly with everything that Mike McCagney did to get us up to this point, we still have some holes left on this team that still need to be addressed. And he's already brought in a couple corners, you know, for competition. So you can definitely tell that uh, Joe Douglas and, and the personnel that he's putting together they have the right mindset to to right the wrongs on this team. Yeah, you, you definitely have to have to like everything that's going on in the front office. And now, in terms of on the on the field, as you know, as I mentioned earlier, OTAs wrapped up, and it's you know it's nice that you get the the clips on, on OTAs, but the shame of it is it's such limited access to the media, so you really don't get much news on who's doing what. Um, but one thing that I thought was interesting, uh, one of the more interesting uh, comments exchanges was with uh, Greg Williams when he met with the media and they talked mm-hmm. to him about, you know, how he interacted with Jamal Adams when he met him for the first time. And and I like the fact that because let's face it, Jamal Adams is is not not one ounce short of ego. Like he, the guy believes in himself as much as any player in this league. And believes he is one of the best safeties in the league and he is i mean listen i think this guy's going to be a multiple time all pro and you know there's as long as he stays healthy and keeps playing the game the way he does he's a guy who you know the sky's the limit he could be one of the best to ever play but uh greg williams had his first comments with to jamal adams where hey man i've coached guys better than you and love it when, when all is said and done i don't know how true that'll be but right now perhaps the case but Jamal Adams, I'm sure, took you know 
knows where Greg Williams is coming from, but also wants to prove that that he's the best guy he's played for. And it, it's you know it's it's good to challenge a young guy like that, especially a guy who may be a little too confident. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but uh, but but what do you think about that? What do you think about a, a defensive coordinator with, with Greg Williams' reputation as being a no nonsense guy? And the first thing he says to one of his young defensive stars is basically take an effort to to put him in check and, and let him know that there are better players than him out there and he's going to have to raise his game a little bit. I absolutely love it, Glenn. Uh, I think this is like just being able to have a, a, you know, breathing in fresh air. Just it's exhilarating to know that we've got some hard-nosed, tough guys in that locker room that are going to hold guys accountable and keep guys in check because, again, this team has accomplished absolutely nothing year-to-date, you know, new coach, new GM, new, new front office people, some new players in here. We're, we're wiping the slate clean, and everyone's got to prove themselves. Nobody's done nothing in, in the coach's minds thus far. And, and that's the right mentality that you have to have because a lot of these guys, they're young, uh, they're impressionable, they've walked around their high schools and their college teams as the alphas, and now you're in the league. Uh, where you're paid to play a sport and you have to raise your bar even further. Some guys can answer the call and other guys don't have what it takes to do so. And I feel that we now have the staff in place to make this happen. And you got to take it. I mean, this is, we live in an era where everyone gets a green ribbon uh, for participating. And I don't know, you know, how your experiences, uh, you know, from your football days or, you know, if you were involved in the way your coaches were, but it's always been, you know, you leave your social life and everything off the field. And when you're on the field, your coaches is, is you, well, my coaches say, I'm your daddy when you're on the field and you're going to listen to me and you're going to do everything I'm going to do. And they were, they were hard nosed guys and, it worked for some of us, but other guys couldn't handle it. And I like that mentality uh, because this is a physical, tough sport. You have to uh, compete and play at a high level and nobody's just going to be handed anything over. And I just like the, the change of personnel. Um, I don't know if you saw the clip last week about Sean Jefferson, our wide receiver coach. On yes, some I did. I, I was, things he said about I was wondering Darnold. how I, cause Listen, I mean, we're allowed to curse wow. on this show, but I try to keep it family-friendly. I know the people Ooh. listen to podcasts in the car with the kids, and I don't want to say stuff that they don't want their kids to hear. But uh, I was going to, to, you know, bleep out the appropriate – put the bleeps where they belonged and let the listeners put it, you know, put it all together. But do you want to, you want to go ahead and bleep yourself, Alex, and, and repeat those comments if you've, if you've got them off yeah. the top of your head? Uh, I believe it when he is a <laughs> – Bleeping dude. This was this was wide receiver coach Sean Jefferson when asked about Sam Darnold. Yes, and he is a bleeping dude. He is accurate as bleep, <laughs> and I haven't been around a guy like that. Uh, so, the wide receiver coach is very. Passionate I think I think he called and, him a bleeping dude about three times before he said he was yes, bleeping ac- or accurate as bleep. Version. Yeah. Yeah, he's a bleeping <laughs> so dude. He, he, this bleeping yourself, dude is a bleeping dude, but, and he's accurate as bleep. So he was. Um, <laughs> He was impressed is the takeaway I got from that. I believe he was. <laughs> yes, that was and that's positive. that's what I'm talking about. That's what you got to love about 
you know, you haven't done anything to this point. So now when the new coaches come in, they need to establish themselves, uh, get a little bit, you know, some of them are characters and they have to get earn the respect of the players as well. And, and some players buy into it and, and they will, you know, go to battle for their coaches uh, when, when they show that you care and you're passionate about what they want you to do. So I, I'm very uh, excited about, you know, some of the new coaches that we have in house and I'm completely fine with the way Greg Williams is, is going to be handling this approach. And Jamal should be looking to raise his, his bar and prove to Greg Williams that he's the best safety that he's ever coached. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. Yeah, and, you know, he also said that, uh, that he was looking forward to turning Leonard Williams loose, which is exciting, but that's, that's something I kind of file under, you know, it surprises me that he says that because he's, he's been around the league long enough to know that a lot of guys just, I don't let's see it on the field kind of thing. Like I, as, as much as I disliked Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers and, you know, felt like those guys would put you to sleep. Um, I don't feel like they were not letting Leonard Williams try to get after the quarterback or they were, you know, that they were not putting him now. Could they have used him somewhat differently? When you say turn a guy loose, that to me kind of implies that the previous regime was, was too laid back with him. Now they may have been in terms of discipline or in terms of, you know, the way they practiced. But I don't feel like I feel like Leonard Williams had enough chances to get after the quarterback, uh, and just didn't manage to. So now that's not to say again. You know we've said already with, with the additions they've made on defense, this could be Leo's biggest year. And you know how great would that be? If, you know if you can get Leo, Jordan Jenkins, get each of those guys just to add a few sacks to their totals. You know maybe Jenkins goes from seven to ten. Leo, would Leo have four or five? You get him up to you know, seven or eight sacks, and then whatever Polite is going to bring from the opposite end. And, um, this, you know, we've said it before, this team, this, this secondary, they've got to they've gotta make some moves. And that's, that's something, that was a, the first question of Joe Douglas at his presser, and I, I wanted to touch on this, Alex, because I couldn't remember, and refresh my memory if you could, if we did talk about it. But the first question to Joe Douglas was, you know, basically – Joe, the, the off season's over. Like, how much impact are you going to have on the 2019 season? And really, barring some massive trades, he really won't, will he? I mean, this is Mike McCagnan's team. Um, he's gone, but now barring some huge moves, Joe Douglas is going to have a hard time having a huge impact on this season, which is fine. You know, the the main thing is he's the guy moving forward. But uh, is, is there much Joe Douglas can do? to make this his team with so little time before the start of the season. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier. Um, You know, just say the Jets have a hundred players on their roster at this moment. Um, Thus far, he's only made two acquisitions, which was a couple corners. So 98% of his team was, you know, all Mike Max. So when this process rounds out through training camp and preseason, Different guys are obviously going to get signed to practice squads and brought in for, you know, looks and stuff. So maybe it ends up being 90 to 85% um, where he's done about 15% of the roster. You know, the decisions will be made through him and, and Gase. Um, we all know that all the player decisions will be Joe Douglas, but that is also going to be predicated off of his conversations with Gase on who he feels that he could win with. 
So that is definitely a huge factor into it too. Um, he, he will be playing a large part in it, but as far as what more can you do at this point before we get to week one, I can't foresee too much unless if some sort of a blockbuster trade comes through and I couldn't even uh, fathom what that might be or what we might have to give up in the event of something like that. Uh, because we kind of have cleaned up certain areas uh, already before even training camp started. We had a handful of tight ends, and we've kind of worked those down a little bit, and we were uh, loaded up on linebacker, and we've already moved Aaron Lee. Uh, the the secondary, as far as the safety is concerned, uh, seemed to be set in stone with May and Adams, so maybe a backup here or there. And – the the real heroes, the real guys that are probably going to be the ones that are going to have a major impact are the guys that are underneath uh, Savage and, and Douglas that are scouting the practice uh, squad guys that are scouting other teams' training uh, camps and, and seeing what names are popping up in, in their news feeds and who's to watch out over there, a wide receiver over here or a lineman there. And they're, they're going to be analyzing rosters and saying, there's no way they're going to be able to keep all these guys in this one position. Those are going to be the guys that we're going to need to have a keen eye so that in the event, if somebody gets hurt, we're able to scoop up a player that might be able to contribute in a beneficial way for this season. So uh, I guess to answer your question, I can't foresee too much uh, coming from Joe Douglas's end on, on impacting this team dramatically on wins and losses at this point. Uh, anything can happen um, if he decides to make a move, but it, I, I just can't see it. What do you think, Glenn? Uh, well, that, you know, I, I fully agree. You, meant, you mentioned that he made a couple moves at DB, and he did, you know, a couple low-level sort of practice squad types, uh, a couple 24-year-old corners. Um, although I think I saw uh, Montrell Meander or Meander listed as a safety, so it depends on uh, where he's being listed. But Mark Myers... And uh, Montreal Meander, is it? I don't know if it's Meander or Meander. I hope it's not Meander. It's kind of like term for lazy, isn't it? Uh, Meander's a Grambling State guy. Myers, uh, Southern Southeast University. So neither guy's been a, a you know a regular player in the league. And uh, before before I continue, Alex, I'm just gonna have a, a quick uh, acknowledgement of our sponsor, Jet Nation Radio sponsor, and we are of course sponsored by Miles Social. Please visit milesocial.com. That is M-I-L-E social.com. Miles Social will help. You can find out how they can help you run your business by managing your company website and all of your social media accounts. So basically what it boils down to, if you're running a business and you have too much on your plate to keep up with everything and you want to know how to get more, more hits on your websites and get people directed to your business, contact Miles Social and they will get you set up. They will run all of your social media accounts for you. Take that thing off your plate so you can focus on other areas, milesocial.com. So, yeah, Alex, that's, um, that's, a, that's a big thing. This team isn't going to be able to – or I shouldn't say isn't going to be able to. It's unlikely to make any huge moves. I'm curious – I am curious to see how the Robbie Anderson situation plays out because my thought process when Joe Douglas came on board – was maybe they try to get Robbie locked up because if you remember the Philadelphia Eagles where Joe Douglas just worked 
Uh, they tried to trade for Robbie Anderson before the deadline last season, reportedly offered a fourth-rounder. Now, if you're the Eagles and you're offering a fourth-rounder and Joe Douglas is as high up in the food chain in Philly as he was, you know, Howie Roseman's right-hand man from what we're told, um, you would think that he and Howie Roseman, you know, did a fair bit of homework on Robbie Anderson before trying to trade for him. So I was surprised to see yesterday that uh, Joe Douglas did an interview in which he said, uh, you know, he watched, I think he said six games of the Jets offense from last year and four games of the defense so far. And uh, he was pleasantly surprised by what Robbie Anderson could do. Um, And it's not a huge deal, but I just thought to myself, well, you were a top guy in a front office that just tried to trade for him and you're surprised to see what he can do. Um, That, that surprised me a little bit, but uh, you know, I'm not saying it's like, I mean, some, I think some people got upset when I tweeted that out. I'm not saying it's gross incompetence or questioning the guy's ability to do his job. Um, I was just surprised by that. If, you know, you hire a guy who's number two or three in command at a team that tried to trade for somebody and he says, oh, you know, I was surprised to see what that guy could do. I was just surprised to hear that. But, I mean, that is one move that, that would, you know, go a long way toward st- stabilizing this offense. But, of course, it's, you know, the only, the only reason Robbie Anderson doesn't have a long-term deal right now is because of the stuff that's happened to him in the last couple off seasons. If he cleans that up and he has a good off season this year and he puts up big numbers, you know, may- maybe if he has a good off season, they get him locked up before camp. And maybe if he has a, a good, you know, clean off season and gets off to a fast start, they give him a deal. But if I'm the Jets, I try to give him a deal before the season starts. So you avoid, you know, he goes out there and, you know, puts up five, six touchdowns in the first three, four weeks of the season. That's, uh, that's going to drive his price up significantly. So we'll see no, what happens Glenn, with that. that but that brings up something. If I can just interject real quick, uh, that comes course. to my mind here, because you know what has Robbie Anderson done besides come up in a few articles where he had interactions with law enforcement, but nothing really came to light. You know, no no warrants were issued or <coughs> excuse me. Um, basically he didn't have to go to court for anything. It's just that he had interactions with the police, but again, there was no suspensions. There was no arrests, There was no jail time, nothing like that. So it's just interesting because uh, somebody and I were talking about this the other day, because if you compare what he's done to another wide receiver that just recently got a nice contract, which was Quincy Anunwa, what has Quincy Anunwa actually done to deserve his contract? looking at what Robbie Anderson has done over the last few years. And to be honest with you, Quincy Dunwell also had a suspension for PEDs, if I'm not mistaken, early in his career where he had to sit a couple games. So in my mind, I'm looking at these guys and I'm saying, Robbie Anderson's been more productive. And I would think that he would be deserving of more money than what Inunwa has at this point. So if he's making eight or nine million a year, what exactly would Robbie Anderson be warranting? Because clearly, I feel that as of year to date, he's the better wide receiver. What are your thoughts? Well, I would say a couple things there. Um, so not giving Robbie a deal based on not being convicted of anything or not facing any jail time and all these charges being dropped. Um, and I'm not pretending I was there and I know what happened, but teams get more information from, you know, police departments, lawyers, like they know more than what we know. And the fact that Robbie Anderson didn't get convicted of anything 
but the team is still hesitant hesitant to give him a deal despite his production tells me the team knows that listen Robbie you may not have been convicted but we know something nope. crazy happened we you know right. they, you know whether they want to say this cop's report contained far too many details for us to believe that it was false especially if it's a cop you know if the team looks into the cop and says this cop has no history of making accusations against you know uh suspects like if the cop's got a clean record and he says Robbie said this this doesn't mean the Jets didn't contact somebody and say, look, uh, let our guy cut him a break, da-da-da-da. And you can say, I'm, again, I'm not saying I know this happened. I'm saying if, if an NFL football team has a player of Robbie Anderson's stature who is that young and that talented and has been that productive and not convicted of anything he's been accused of, I think the team knows we know you weren't convicted, but that doesn't mean you didn't do something. So we need to see you not get in trouble. And, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, the, the Jets are in a court of law. They're just protecting themselves. And I think that they look at it this as, you know, and, and it was, it's been a couple of incidents. So it's almost like, again, no conviction doesn't mean nothing happened. It just means, you know, the guy didn't get charged with anything. So from that perspective, you know, it would be like, you know, the league would have no right to suspend him if, if he, you know, everything was dropped and there was no evidence. But the, because, again, cause it, I'm just looking at it logically. Why else would the team not sign him then? He should have been prioritized over Quincy Inunua if that was the case. Now, as far as that argument goes, I think what's different with Quincy is that while his production hasn't been on par with Robbie and he has had the injuries, um, the the oh, and you mentioned the suspension. If, if you remember, because I brought this up a couple times, because um, I, I – um, I had this argument with a couple people. Inunua's suspension was actually for domestic violence, um, but it was a completely bogus suspension. And the reason I say it's bogus is because the league reviewed his incident. The New York City police investigated it. The team investigated it. The league investigated it. And they all walked away and said, there's nothing there. No need for a suspension. And the league, the league didn't. I forget who it was. It was one of the insiders that tweeted out: um, "Jets wide receiver accused of domestic violence. Um, uh, no, no evidence of wrongdoing. League does not see any, does not foresee any need for suspension." So the league just kind of said, "Yeah, he's good." Then fast forward a few months, and the Ray Rice thing happened, and I think the league went, "Oh Jesus, we got we got to double back and suspend some guys to save face here a little bit." And that's when they looked at Quincy and went, okay, we may have said there was no reason for suspension, but now there's a public image thing where there is now a need for a suspension. So after basically being cleared by the Jets, the league, and the police, the league doubled back and suspended him to save face and say, look, we care about domestic violence. Um, and even the report, the police report itself was very vague. Um, it, yeah, it, basically, police report was vague. Everyone cleared him. Then they suspended him to save face because of Ray Rice. So I give Quincy a pass on that one. And I'm not light on domestic violence. I say all the time, if you get convicted of that, I have no issue with the league suspending you for a year or two years. And I don't care if you play for the Jets. I'm not one of these homers that feels like every other player on every other team should be held to the standard. But Jets players should be let off scot-free. When the Sheldon thing happened, I said that dude needed to be suspended for a year or two. Um, and that, you know, when he was a Jet. So I don't do that. But Getting back to your, the, the, the main part of your question, I think Quincy got the deal because 
A, the injury history is a concern, but I do think last year he would have played if the games mattered. I don't think the injury history is as bad as it looked at the end of this year. Um, and he does a lot more. You know, we've talked about that. We've talked about the versatility. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can line up at halfback. He can, or, sorry, he can line up at H-back. He can line up at tight end if you wanted to. Like, he gives you your offense so many different options. And that's not to say Robbie Anderson doesn't bring a lot to the table. But you're not going to bring Robbie Anderson down inside to, you know, to throw a block at somebody in a run play. Um, yep. And if he did, he'd just get, you know, he'd just get flung into the backfield. So I agree that Robbie's been more productive. But I think Quincy's versatility plus his, you know, the lack of legitimate off-field concerns, I think that's why he got the deal. And, again, I think that Robbie gets a deal as long as he keeps his nose clean. So, yes, uh, no convictions, but the lack of a contract tells me the Jets feel like something did happen there. Do you think it would be similar or more than what Quincy's getting? Hypothetical, he cracks the 1,000-yard mark this year with seven touchdowns. I think I think if they wait till after the season, it's going to be more because I think he's going to have a big year. If you give it to him before the season, I think you can get it for in that same range. You know, maybe maybe a million more a year uh, based on his late season production. There. Let's I try mean, to get him in early. You know, before yeah. I mean, his, his agent's not stupid. His, his agent knows. Yeah, Robbie Anderson's agent knows that the Jets are watching that film over and over again of his late season production. And I wouldn't, I mean, if you look at, you look at the way Robbie was posing at charity events and he, you know, clean cut, dressed nice, nice smile. Like that's, that, that's, that's your rate. That's your reps. That, that's what a good PR cut. You hire a PR company, you have an agent and they say to you, look, man, you, you gotta, you got lots of smiles, lots of hugging kids because you're going into a contract year and there are character concerns. So we need fans and media to see you being, you know, this fan-friendly, kid-friendly. Oh, and it could be that he's growing. Listen, and I said this before about Robbie Anderson, and I'm not, uh, again, I'm not one that often buys into these fluff pieces about how guys turn their lives around in a matter of a couple of days and, oh, he's learned his lesson because I think stuff like that, it takes time. Growth like that doesn't happen overnight. But I did talk about this a couple months ago. Um, where with Robbie Anderson, where it may have changed overnight, because when that incident did happen in Florida, I believe it was in Broward, um, when that did happen, he spent the night in prison, or he spent the night in jail, which is, you know, for some people, that, like, you know, Robbie Anderson said, like, I, I, you know, I had the opportunity to lay there and think, like, you know, which direction do I want my, do I want my life to go? Like, the guy knows he's he's a year or two away from getting tens of millions of dollars guaranteed and having the life that people could only dream of, or he could keep doing dumb stuff and finding himself in jail. So I think there's some validity to that. I think a night, I, I I have some friends who have spent just a night or two in jail and they're like, dude, it makes you rethink the way you conduct yourself. It makes you reprioritize. It, it makes you grow up quickly. Um, so it can be a life changing thing. And Hopefully it was that for Robbie. And, you know, it does look like that up to this point. I've been one of the guy's biggest fans from the minute, you know, from the minute the Jets signed him as an undrafted free agent. He was probably my favorite guy in that group after watching him play, you know, after watching a couple of his games and seeing how explosive he was. And, yeah, he's done some dumb stuff, but I've argued with a lot of people who said he needs to be cut for this, he needs to be cut for that, he's a bonehead, he makes stupid mistakes, gets stupid penalties. And people, for some reason 
when they dig their teeth into a guy, whether it's an executive or a player, they just they don't want to let go. And I've seen people criticize Robbie Anderson. I still hear people, he can't hold on to the football. The dude had a fumble in week two and a fumble in week three and didn't fumble for the rest of the year. And he had like one fumble the year before that and one fumble the year before that. So the guy averages less than a fumble a year or just over one fumble a year. I'm going off the top of my head. I could be off by a little bit. But basically, there were no ball security issues with Robbie Anderson. And I still see clowns on Twitter. Oh, this guy sucks. He fumbles the ball every time you throw it to him. Like, how can three you be that stupid? Three fumbles in three years in 46 games. Yeah, how can you be that stupid? <laughs> 46 games, three fumbles. But because two of them happen back-to-back games, you still get idiots saying he, he can't hold on to the football. He drops it. Every, he fumbles every time you throw it to him. It's the same people say, you can only run a go route. Like, that's all he was asked to do. I was anxious to see, like, let's, let's see them expand his route tree a little bit and ask him to do a little more. And we saw him do that. And, hey, what do you know? He's hard to defend <laughs> because he can do so many different things. That you, you have to respect his speed and back off. So if he's going to run a comeback or an out, he's going to have a few yards. You know, the DB's going to be backed up a few yards and not be able to catch up if the throw is on time and on target. Robbie Anderson can do a lot of things to beat you. It's, and even if he is let, – let, let's, let's say he gets 80 catches last year, next year. And it means – Three or four fumbles, because he, he does have a slight frame for the NFL. He's not, he's not Quincy Inunua. He doesn't have huge arms and, you know, forearms and biceps to cover the ball with. Okay, say he fumbles three or four times. It, is he going to get me 12 or 13 touchdowns? Because I can live with it if that's the case. Like, guys are going to turn the ball over. It happens. And that's the other thing. It's when people decide they don't like somebody, every single little thing they do is put under a microscope and it's treated like it's the end of the world. God forbid a guy drop a pass. That, you know, that someone doesn't like him. God forbid somebody fumble. God forbid somebody slip in the middle of a route. If it's a player you like, everything is forgiven. Oh, it's a fluke thing. It happens. It happens to the best. You get layoff. It's, he's a good player. If it's a player you don't like, oh, I told you that guy sucked. I told you that guy shouldn't be on the team. The number of people that told me that Robbie Anderson's garbage, he needs to be traded, he needs to be released, he needs to be cut, well, he needs to be benched. Why? Because he threw his helmet. All right, so in a game when they were down by, you know, 350 with two minutes to go, he was pissed off when he threw his helmet. You're going to cut every guy that gets emotional when the team's getting their ass kicked? And then you're going to complain that this team doesn't have any heart and why all these guys out there like they don't care? Like, which one is it? You're going to get the occasional flag. If you're going to make plays on top of that, I can live with it. And, here, and again, you know, here's the hoping that as he gets a little bit older, he grows up. You know, he's, the guy's going to be, he has the ability to be a damn good player. I think he's in store for, for a big season, you know, with the running game that I, that I think that, you know, is going to be one of our strong um, aspects to our offense. I, I really think that's going to open up a lot of things for our wide receivers. So, just one of those weird scenarios where, you know, like a player like Le'Veon Bell, obviously this is going back to, um, can create so much attention and put so much focus uh, on himself when he's on the field that it's just going to open up, you know, all sorts of lanes all over the field. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we're able to just take advantage of every single opportunity that, that comes with, you know, Gase's system and these young guys. So. Yeah. And, and you know who 
You know who I would, speaking of the run game, uh, you know, I've, I've said a couple times that I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sold that, that Brian Winters isn't, isn't going to really have to bust his ass to keep his job this year. Um, Cause the, the guys that can compete with him, you know, Tom Compton, Ben Braden, some guys they brought in. Um, but another guy who, who I haven't mentioned, and I probably mentioned him a little bit when the Jets signed him, um, Jordan Morgan, the guard that he's drafted just a couple years ago by the Bears out of Cootstown. Mm-hmm. When I say he was a second or third rounder, dominated at the lower levels, you know, really good size. Jets haven't looked at it six four three eleven. I think he was around 320 around the time of the combine. But he's a guy that, you know, people had some really good things to say about him. And then he ends up getting cut by the Bears after two years. So it's it's a matter of was he just not good enough or were they not willing to to wait it out and let a small town small school guy develop much like the Jets did with Brian Winters? Because um, Brian Winters struggled his first couple seasons, and you know he's become a, a decent guard, not great, but um, he's a guy who interests me. I'm I'm going to try to find more on him this week. It's the the hard thing is he's such a massive guy. You watch his film at Cootstown, and he's just throwing guys around. And you're like, okay, well, that's not going to happen at big-time football or the NFL. Like, you're not doing that in Division One. You're not doing that in the NFL. Um, and his, his snaps were limited with the Bears before he got released. Um, I want to say I'm, I'm looking at the Jets site right here from when they signed him. Uh, played 96 snaps in the preseason before being cut. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out the old the, uh, the NFL uh, All-22 because they do have preseason on there now, and see if I can watch it. The thing is, it's going to be a small sample size against other guys playing in the Hall of Fame game, which is like the most meaningless of all of the meaningless preseason games. So it's it's basically you may as well be watching a Division One game. But just you know, guys, good size, and um, could be another candidate to take that job. And Emory Hunt also had mentioned um, from his interview we had a few weeks ago with him, he had tweeted that Morgan was getting some snaps at the center position as well. So the Jets are doing their diligence and they're giving everybody an opportunity to, you know, show what they can do and basically put a little fire under Harrison and say, you know, you're, you're the number one guy in the depth chart today, but don't think that we're not looking elsewhere to see if we can improve. So I like that too. That there's there's definitely some some versatile guys in this offensive line that you can move around a little bit, and that's definitely helpful. Yeah, it's you know it he he he's another guy who, uh, like I said, he's got the requisite size for the position, and he was going to need a little bit of time to develop at the pro level. And I'm interested to see you know is he a guy that they bring along? And that, you know that's the other part of this is that all these guys that were brought in. Are they are they Gase guys or are they all Mac guys? You know, how many of these guys did Adam Gase speak up about and say, get me this guy, get me that guy? Or was he similar to how he was at the draft where he just sat there with his mouth shut, let Mike McCagna made all the make all the moves and then uh and then move on? So it, you know, it's easy to say these guys are new acquisitions, but that doesn't mean the new head coach likes them or wanted them. But we'll find out. Uh, you know, it's unfortunately this, this will be the the slowest, deadest time of the year. Uh, whether it's writing, whether it's tweeting, whether it's doing the show, there's not. Uh, there's there is. Uh, well, actually, the last time I said there wouldn't be any news, they fired the GM 20 minutes later, as soon as we got off the damn air. Um, <laughs> so may, maybe I shouldn't say there won't be any big moves, but uh, knock on wood. It, there. It, 
Yeah, I mean, hey, if they're good moves, yeah, fine. We really Bring it don't on. want any big breaking news either, because that means that something's happening that may not be good. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully everybody has good vacations, and like you said, keep your nose clean, stay stay out of any sort of authoritative figure's way, and you just tune up and get ready for a heck of a year because we're we're heading the right direction finally after all these years. The last thing we want to see is a setback with somebody that has a little too much fun on their vacation. Absolutely, absolutely. So listen, we only have a couple minutes left, Alex. Like I said, slowest time of the year. So I think every now and then, these next few weeks leading up to the season, maybe we're, we're going to take a minute or two or three to talk about something non-football related. And you didn't know about this, so I'm putting you on the spot. Um, nothing too crazy. Uh, give me... Give me, Alex, your top three or top two most underrated movies of all time that you that you can't watch enough times. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Underrated movies. I'll probably have to go back to the summer when I was a teenager. And I used to ride around with my, my bike and my rollerblades and go to Ridgewood. And these were the days where you could see – and movies during the day for $5. These days did exist, people. Uh, I think I watched Congo maybe 20 times that summer when it had come out. I don't know what it is, but that movie uh, was just the, the, the movie to go see. And I remember every girl I talked to and went on a date, I, I went to go take her to that movie too. So I'd have to say Congo uh, would be one and another underrated movie. How about, how, about this? I'll, I'll, how about I'll go with one while you think of another one? Go for it. All right. Uh, I'm going to say, that to me, this is a, a top three movie of, of all time for me. Um, if you haven't seen it, if you like dark comedy, and, if you, and, you know, I said earlier about the no profanity on this show, tons of profanity. Uh, may have set some type of record for use of the F word. Um, but a, a movie that came out eh, about nine, ten years ago, called In Bruges, starring uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, which uh, to me was just amazingly funny, amazingly dark. Uh, liked it so much. Uh, honestly, I'd never heard of Bruges before then. It was a city in Belgium. And uh, I'd never heard of it before seeing that movie. And I've now been to Bruges probably a dozen times. Um, basically, from, from, where I'm, from where I am now, it's about a four-hour drive to get from from my place to Bruges and myself and the wife try to pop out there a couple times a year. Beautiful city and amazing, amazing movie. Way, way too underrated. So check that one out if you get a chance. What's your next one, Alex? We got four and a half minutes to do uh, one more movie each. Okay, so I'll say my next underrated movie that I can watch pretty much any time it comes on. Um, this is a weird one because it's kind of the end of days theme. If it doesn't matter where it's at, I could always watch the movie 2012. As far far fetched as that seems, uh, I just thought the whole movie was was a comical thing, even though it's it could be quite scary that the Earth has a, uh, a you know an expiration date on it. But it doesn't matter. It always seems to no matter what I'm doing, I could always sit down and pick up wherever it's going. All right, for my last one, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a movie that people I guarantee you everyone listening to the show has seen a scene from this movie, but many have not seen the movie itself. 
So that sort of legendary clip that has become a a video, a video a video meme is that a thing? Basically, a, a clip that people have put so many different sports outcomes to. But the that scene with Hitler in front of all of his generals screaming oh, and God, pointing at the great. map and <laughs> ranting. Do you know the, Do you know what movie that's from, Alex? Oh, that what movie is that from? Oh, you got me. Oh, I'm gonna. All right, that, that up now. That is a. I, I'm a huge World War II geek. Um, not not quite. I used to be obsessed. I used to be like, you'd never see me without a World War II book in my hand. Um, but I still love it. Been over to Normandy and the beaches quite a few times. Uh, but that's a movie called Downfall, and of course it, you know, it it is subtitled as it was all in German. But man, I mean, the the depiction of Hitler, the accuracy of that, mm. you know, the look with with the actor that played the part. Just a unbelievable movie, especially if you're a World War II buff. So check those out. A little bit of little bit of underrated movie coverage because we, you know, we we spend enough time talking about underrated players and under the radar guys. So there's some under the radar movies for you to check out if you get a chance. That wraps and up the show wants for to us. Share, tweet at us and let us know what your underrated movies are. You know, get involved Absolutely. in the Please do. We'd love to hear what you got to say. Yeah, you know what? Next week, Alex, in the final few minutes, we're going to cover a couple of our favorite books. I tweeted that out the other day, and I got a ton of responses. I, people were like, this book, that book. And I, I went online and looked, read the uh, – I, I think I've got three of them here. Um, if, if I liked the, the reviews on Amazon and the description, I went out and bought it. So uh, thanks to the, the listeners, uh, added a few books to the collection this week that I look forward to reading. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll go over a few good books next week. But, yeah. If you want, tweet us some underrated movies. What do you think? Uh, what should we check out if we haven't seen it? And maybe you'll throw a couple out there that we have seen. But that will close things out for us. Thanks so much for joining us. The Jets front office has been largely retooled today. And I'm sure there are more announcements to come. But just more good stuff for a, a good offseason. You can, uh, well, actually, yeah, you can follow me at AceFan22 and review us on iTunes. I. I owe, Every time I say that, I say that I forget to say that. But there's a reason for Smash it. Because that I probably, star button. I probably say it every two or three months. I remember to do that. So please go on iTunes. Give us a review. I'm at AceFan23, A-C-E-Fan23. Alex, Alex, go ahead and give I out your Twitter handle, and then we will sign off for the night, Alex. You Fans, you can follow me at NYJetsLife24. All right, so that wraps this one up for us, Jets fans. We look forward to catching up with you next week on Jet Nation Radio. Have a great night.